Hello and welcome to On The Tiles, the Herald's Politics podcast, coming to you from inside the budget lockup. Uh, you'll be getting this into now when the budget lockup's finished. Um, I'm Thomas Coughlin, the Herald's deputy political editor, and I'm joined, I'm, on, I'm down on one knee, um, looking into the beautiful eyes of Infometrics chief executive and economist Brad Olson, and it looks like I'm about to ask him to marry me. Brad, what do you what do you say? Look, I'm, I'm certainly not marrying anyone uh, today, but I am certainly looking through the fiscals. Um, an interesting budget. Realistically, first impression when I looked through the numbers was that there were a lot of small, what looked like targeted spending opportunities that was uh, fitting with the government's theme of trying to be a bit more restrained. In totality, though, you add all of those together, you're still seeing the government spend $9.4 billion more than they'd expected uh, back in December last year over the next four years. At the same time, they're able to take in $11 billion less in terms of revenue. It's a $20 billion gap that's starting to open up. Uh, and I guess the worry is certainly when it comes to the government, they're having to borrow more. Um, all of that is, is coming at a time when interest rates are higher. And the risk really is with those gaps, you might well have uh, this government budget be more inflationary than we'd first thought. It's quite stimulatory, right? I mean, obviously, uh, it's a bit of a miracle, I think, that the surplus has only been pushed out by one year, 2026. Now we are into surplus rather than 2025. Um, but um, but there is, I mean, there is a significant amount more borrowing there, uh, particularly as you say, to fund the deficit and then to fund this massive $71 billion infrastructure spend over the next five years. Um, some big changes in the government bond programme. So are you... I mean, in a few hours' time, Adrian Orr is going to read this budget. What do you think he's going to think? Look, if I was the Reserve Bank, I'd be looking at these figures and being more worried than I'd first thought. The government had been talking a lot more about restraint, but realistically, that level of expansion is worrying. You've got the fiscal impulse, which is turning positive. Now, sure, there is part of that that is very much a tribute to the cyclone. We have to spend through that. But at the same time, if you look through the government accounts, it's quite difficult to figure out where uh, that drop-away in COVID spending has gone, because the fiscals show that there's still a high level of spending. Back in 2019, government expenses were about 28% of GDP. At the end of the forecast period in uh, 2028 they'll still be 31.5%. That's three whole percentage points bigger. And I think the worry for the Reserve Bank is they're looking at the spending and going, actually that has got to be more stimulatory. You're adding more demand into the economy. If there is more money going through, then relative to before you have to think that's more inflationary. And, um, and on top of that, I suppose the, the next uh, few budgets have been they, they had operating allowances of $3 billion they've now been given half a billion dollars each. So five. Uh, Hundred million in the next budget, and then another five hundred million in the budget after that. So what's that? One point? Uh, no, that's one one billion dollars for those two combined. Um, one and a half billion because you add them up, um, and then then another uh, half a billion dollars the one after that. I mean, and and those those half those three point five billion dollar operating allowances. I mean, that they would be some of the smaller budgets that Grant Robertson's ever produced. I mean, do you believe that? that it's possible for this government to stick to those allowances. They're, they're tiny compared to what they've done in the past, but they'll need to stick to them to make those forecasts come true. Well, absolutely, but again, it comes at a time when revenue is not nearly as strong as it was expected to be, and I think that's the challenge when it comes to the fiscals. We know as well that the government's borrowing costs are doubling in the next year. That, that's a huge amount of additional money that is going towards financing uh, the debt that we're bringing on. Now, like you say, some of those investments are important. You, you look at that $71 billion uh, that's part of the Infrastructure Action Plan. You look at the $6 billion as part of the National resilience plan, all of that is, is, is incredibly important. We know we've got to build back better. We know that we've got a huge deficit of infrastructure we've got to work through. I think the worry when we look at those numbers baked into the future though is that we do seem to be uh, setting ourselves up for a larger uh, government than we had originally had in terms of its uh, influence on the economy and with those sort of numbers like 
you've talked about being baked in, it's very difficult to pull anything back because immediately you think or have to start talking about austerity. We've got to realise, though, that the expansion in the government in recent times has been sustained. This is not a smaller government uh, relative to pre-pandemic. It's smaller than the absolute peak of the chaos that we saw in the pandemic, but it's not small by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it does feel like this, you know, if, if this government gets another term, um, which, you know, polls 50-50 at the moment, it sort of feels like we're gearing up for a, a slight permanent realignment to a larger government than, than where we had, you know, under the previous government. There was that sort of direction of travel towards 28% of GDP, 27% of GDP after GFC. This government seems like it's actually quite comfortable with 32-33%. The forecasts show it getting back down to, to about 31% of GDP, but I think after those budgets are actually done, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it stays around 33% of GDP and there doesn't seem to be much desire to actually trim it back. I think it speaks to two things. One is there is still a real challenge around the actual financing of government and I think that it's going to be a difficult conversation if it even happens in this election but let's get real. We need to talk about how we fund this place. We need to talk about how we fund the country because at the moment uh, the way that we're currently doing it is through over time as inflation continues to creep up, if it's low or it's small then the working person is paying more and more of that tax and at the same time we know that again that revenue is not keeping up with the pace and expenses, certainly not on the budgets going forward. Then if you look at that size of government. It also says that we and then again need to have a conversation about what is the, the right size or what does New Zealand want to see that as. The difficulty I think is that now we're in a position where the current size of government is seen as normal because we've gone through that COVID period then there will be calls any for anything smaller as being seen as, as austerity and, and, and you know um, cutting core services. We need to look back though when the government was that smaller size in the New Zealand economy and go well that didn't feel like cutbacks on services. In fact the healthcare sector for example is stretched yet we're still spending all this money suggests again we've got to have a much greater focus I think on the priorities where we're putting that money rather than the total quantum if it's 31 33 or 28 what are we getting for it because at the moment I don't know if people are convinced about what they're getting from that government spending. And, and finally um, Westpac has, has got the OCR forecast up to 6% six, six, um, six uh, this week I think they changed their forecast other banks are sort of mulling it over it seems do you think it's, it's, it looks pretty likely that those that, 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 will, that we could see a 6% OCR? Certainly having read the budget, my thought would be that there is more risk that the Reserve Bank has to do more work on the official cash rate. Infometrics was already at 575. We'd been there for a while. We'd stuck our necks out a little bit further than most of the trading banks. Uh, now the rising risk is not only with these fiscal uh, levels of spending that's going on, but also the high level of migration that's coming forward. Treasury says that, look, on net, they're expecting that that additional level of migration is uh, set to be uh, expansionary and, and add to more demand. You've got up off your knees, so I think we're finished with this... Uh, pseudo-marriage. My, my, my knees just got very sore. That's, I mean, it's just a fact. I was, I've been on my knees for 10 minutes now, but, but look, if the answer's no, Brad, I don't see... <laughs> not, not at the moment, not until we've got our finances under control. <laughs> right. Hey, Brad, thank you very much for joining me on the tiles. Have a good budget. Thank you. One of the scariest things you can hear as a parent is quiet. But if you do get a little quiet time, have a listen to The Parenting Hangover. It's not scary at all. If I bump into a couple and they have a boy and they have a girl, and I'm like, oh, boy, girl, snip. You've got a boy, you've got a girl, get the snip. You're you done. Got- you get to figure out what it's like raising a girl, you get to figure out what it's like raising a boy. Save yourself a ton of stress and money. You've got your perfect little family. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.